In today's episode of Marketing Against the Grain, we are going to go through who are the winners and who are the losers of AI. Every platform shift has winners. You want to be on the winner's podium. To help us do that, we've got a founder of an AI company that has just raised $100 million in capital. They are doing incredibly well. And she has some really opinionated thoughts on who will win and lose in this AI era. You do not want to miss them. I am Kieran Flanagan, your co-host, CMO over at Zapier. I'm here as always with my co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Let's get into today's episode. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least, it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means, better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. Welcome to a special episode of Marketing Against the Grain, live from Zap Connect. We have a very special guest. We're here with May Habib, who's the co-founder and CEO of Writer, a generative AI platform. And today we are talking all about where we're at in the AI hype cycle. We think we're up here at the peak right now. We've got people freaking out, believing that AI is terrible for knowledge workers. We believe the exact opposite. We believe AI is going to usher in a new breed, a new era of marketer and knowledge work, and that marketing is going to become more important than it has ever been before. And we want to help you win in this new age. And so with that, Kieran, thanks for having me at Zapier Connect. I am so, so excited to be here. Yeah, May, Kip, thank you for joining us. This is our favorite topic not just new technology, but also hype. Kip and I love the hype, May. And so we are like peak hype. It's like, I don't know if you saw the recent movie on Apple about the Beanie Baby hype, where people were going crazy buying Beanie Babies for thousands and thousands of dollars. Peak, peak hype. And there's like two core parts of this, I think two really great stats that have kind of helped us see just how hype this kind of technology is. ChatGPT, we know that really that started as a demo project, launched in November, really ushered in a whole explosion of new apps, got to 100 million users faster than any other app, has 1.6 billion visits each and every month. It's a top 20 website. And of course, capitalism is incredibly efficient, right? Wherever there is hype, there is VC investment. And over 18% of all investment in 2023 so far has been in AI companies. It's 25 billion total investment. So we're seeing like this avalanche of hype. But within that, there is real transformational tech. And so what I would love to do today is maybe lay out for our audience where there are going to be losers in the technology platform shift that is AI, and there's going to be winners in the technology and the platform shift that is AI in terms of like how you market and grow your business. And we would like our audience to be on the winning side. 
maybe first thing before we get into that, May, you are, you know, at the epicenter of AI. You have an AI company. You're helping people to accelerate writing, grow their businesses. What's it felt like over the past six months to be like in the epicenter of what's going on right now? Yeah, thanks for having me, Karen and Kip. And hi, everybody live. It has felt amazing. And it is so fun to watch the early people who took a bet on AI win and win big. So many of our customers with applications in production that they've built on Writer and, you know, starting like two and a half years ago are now sharing AI centers of excellence and speaking at company all hands and really showcasing what's possible. I feel like they're, you know, profits from the future as far as everybody else in the company is concerned. And that's really the biggest one is is watching that happen. And then, of course, for, you know, everybody at Writer who chose to work at an AI company before it was all the rage in the center of a global conversation, you know, I just feel so much validation on their behalf. And then, of course, like lastly, you know, taking advantage of, of the opportunity and really trying to, you know, both put a product in market that is really human first, expert first, and really paint a, a methodology and adoption of AI that is human-led and human-centric. You know, I, I do feel like we're pretty unique at that. And it has been just super fun to see, you know, all these things develop over the past six months. Yeah, wouldn't trade it for anything as much as we would all love to get some sleep back. <laughs> I can't imagine. I feel like, May, I've talked to you a couple of times and you've been globetrotting the world. You've been everywhere. It feels like you probably have lived five lives the past six to 12 months. So thanks for taking a few minutes with us. <laughs> three cities in each of our three last conversations. So for sure. Exactly. That's right. It's crazy. So I think the thing that we would love to do for the audience is every time there's a huge shift in technology or platforms, there are like winners or losers. That's just part and parcel of what there is. Yes. Kip and I have been in marketing for some time. I think that we probably benefited from the shift to the internet. Let me just kind of give a little bit of a story on why. So when I started in marketing, previous to being a marketer, I was a software engineer, right? I graduated from college with an honors degree in computer science. I'm the only person on LinkedIn to put their specific grade because I got 69.33% and that was a 2-1. And 70% was a first and my friend got 70.05%. And I've never, never got over that, like less than a percent away from being a first. So I want to put my actual grade on there. But it turns out, even though I got such a good mark, I'm a bad software developer, right? So I just was not a good software developer. And so I went into marketing. And actually, because of the popularity and growth in the internet, I think marketing shifted from being like very artistic and creative to being both artistic, creative, and very science data-driven, right? And, and I kind of benefited because I could be at the intersection of that. I could bring my engineering prowess to it, but I also had a lot of creativity. I've always enjoyed creating content. And I think that was like a core thing that benefited me. I want to try out something on both of you, which is, I think my first kind of tip in terms of who will be winners and losers, I think the winners are the people who now live in the intersection between art, science, and AI tools. And I think there is a real advantage to knowledge workers and in particular marketers to being able to adopt the bleeding edge tools and figure out how they can integrate them into their day-to-day -day work. And I think that that is going to be the future of marketing, which is like you have the art you have the science and you have these AI apps that allow you to automate a bunch of your work, integrate AI into build great customer experiences, just do better marketing and much faster and much better and much more iterative than any of your peers who are not doing these things. 
What are your thoughts on that? Maybe we'll kick off May with your thoughts and then we can go over to see what Kip thinks. So, you know, I think I'm going to argue with the premise of the question, Karen. I love it. Please do. Let's um, go. You know, I agree the peak of hype. I do agree that we are at or at least approaching the peak of hype. But the fact that there will be winners and losers on the other side of, you know, this cycle, who are the losers of the Internet? Like, truly, like when we think about so much of the framing of new technology waves is about winners and losers. But I would argue that, like, very few people lost because of the various shifts that the Internet caused. And, and I think AI really? is going Who lost? The yellow pages. Most people who are intermediaries, right? Distributors, people who really lost because of the relationship of direct consumer. Like, I agree with you that way more people won in the Internet than lost, but there were still some fairly big losers that happened, both I think in the world anyone of marketing who, and in business. Any marketers, if you look at just marketers, any marketers who couldn't transition to digital, and there were a lot, I think there were a lot of people who struggled to go from marketing offline to marketing online. So when we set up a challenge, who are the winners, who are the losers, it almost sounds like, you know, to be a winner is this huge competitive advantage. I actually mm. think this era of AI is so obvious and so easy to bring into a workflow that it is really going to be about degrees of winning and speed than it is about winning and losing. We do a lot of customer spotlights, and it's like the most frustrating thing to interview a customer now because you ask them about ROI, which is a very essential part of making the case to buy software, especially in this macro. And like every CMO we talk to is like, May, I know what you want to hear, but what do I say? The ROI is instant. Like it. How do you calculate like overwhelmingly instantaneous ROI? You can't. And that's, you know, I, I sound like a hype girl. Um, and I just said we're at the peak of hype. But these are really the realities. And, you know, I think very few people who actually love the craft of marketing, right, the art of marketing, the creativity of marketing aren't going to win. I think that I agree with you on, May. And, and, I, and I love something you said a few minutes ago. You talked about how the early adopters of these tools feel like profits, like they, they're able to see the future within these companies, right? And one of the things we know in any kind of transformation is those who change early succeed. So it's like the profits make profits, right? Like they, they are actually the ones that are succeeding and growing. And what I, I guess, would love to hear from you is like, one, you're kind of pointing out there's a lot of nuance in the winners and losers. There's going to be kind of degrees of winning and losing in this AI era. But like, what are these profits? What are these early adopters? What do they all have in common besides like a deep passion for marketing and technology? Like if somebody's like, oh, I want to be like that. What are the traits of those people look like? Because you've seen them every day. Yeah, I think there's an impatience here. Oh, I love that. Really, that really characterize. And I didn't think of it till you just asked me that question, Kit. But like, as I really think about the folks who are doing amazing things with Writer and probably other AI things too, but I think, you know, uh, I'm familiar with, with our Writer champions. They're so impatient. The plan they have for end of year, they want to see it now. Plan for 24, like they want to start to see early results. Like they're just impatient for that future to be here now. And as a result, this is why I think the folks who are early win and win big, the use cases reveal themselves the more that you master like the most obvious ground in front of you. And I'll give you an example. Anna at Comball, brilliant CMO. Very, very competitive category, security software. And like one of their big things that they wanted to do was just automate a lot of the top of funnel 
stuff. And, you know, this is not, you know, we're not kind of a platform that soup to nuts is banging out an 1800 word blog post. Like it's, it's a much more nuanced, sophisticated kind of AI into the, the human workflow. But as soon as they did that, it was like, okay, what's next? And now they've got this incredible app on Writer that helps their salespeople, right, answer sales enablement questions and actually almost be like this content factory drawing from their persona work and their messaging work and everything they've ever written that they love. So we never would have gotten to that use case for them. And I don't think they would have like point blank without having experimented first. And so, you know, the advantages of generative AI compound not just for folks like us, where we use generative AI in our own building of our product, but for our customers who also let it reveal more and more ways in which they can scale what it is that they are doing to get to their objective. So I think impatience is really the most helpful characteristic that I could tell you that, you know, unites them. Yeah. Yeah, there's some things in there that I think that we likely do have agreement on, which is I really believe that fast movers have such a huge advantage in the AI era. And the reason I kind of had those three circles with the intersection is because AI technology and the adoption of it quicker means you get that fast mover advantage much, much sooner. And I think the laggards are in a really tricky position because everything gets commoditized much faster, right? Because AI allows you to do things much easier and can allow marketers to replicate each other much faster. And that maybe comes on to my second point, which is I think that AI turns every marketer into a creator. And I'm going to kind of pass it over to Kip because you had a really great point on this. But when you look at the tools that AI provides us, whether they are imagery tools or video tools or writing tools, and you look at what's happening, which is like the, the kind of traditional brand channels are under a lot of pressure, right? The traditional search engine, the blue links, they look very antiquated when you use an AI search engine, the AI search engine is much better experience. Like it takes the information and then it formats it and gives you a clear and concise search other than when it hallucinates. And I think we'll figure out those problems. Paid advertising is going to commoditize to a point where the only thing that will really matter is like the budget. And when you look at all of these kind of platforms that are growing in popularity, the YouTube, TikTok, all of these platforms, even Twitter slash X, they are favoring creators and they want you to stay with on their platform and they want you to, they are incentivizing creators to actually create content within those platforms. And I think it forces every marketer to become a creator and to be really incredible at content. And I have some other thoughts, but maybe Kip, you had a really good thought about this. I'll pass that to you and then we can kick off to me. Yeah, yeah. What I would say here, it's it's kind of funny that we've made this distinction between marketers and creators when actually creators are just this generation's marketers, right? Like creators are doing everything that a marketer classically has done. They're telling great stories that their audience wants. They're looking at data to iterate and improve those stories. They are deeply building communities and managing, engaging those communities. They're focused on how they monetize that audience in that community in smart and thoughtful, value-added ways. That's what every company wants to do. I believe in the future that you are going to be a creator and a marketer, or you're not going to be a marketer. There's not going to be room in marketing for people who aren't essentially creators. And one of the things I loved, May, about the point that you made a little bit ago around the sales enablement example is those creators don't all, that doesn't mean they're like taking over YouTube and TikTok all the time. It means that they're creating, they could be creating amazing persona sales enablement work to enable a team of thousands of salespeople, right? Like the one thing that I love about AI that I think you're seeing that I'd love to hear more about is like, 
it's bringing much better alignment across organizations when it's really getting adopted. Yeah, I love that. And I think one of the reasons it's bringing alignment is folks who didn't used to talk to each other have to talk to each other yes. about making rules and guidelines around generative AI use. And, you know, part of this is a little annoying, right? Everybody setting up these centers of excellence and task forces. And some of it at big companies is feeling like work about work, which is like, you know, nails on a chalkboard to a fast moving marketer. But it is forcing the right conversation. And you definitely want to have alignment with a technology team that could shut down any usage, right? Or a sales team or a product marketing that like could go rogue or decide to do something else. Like the forced company alignment on what are our tenants around responsible AI use? What is going to be allowed? How do we talk about hallucinations? How do we make sure everybody understands the gotchas of AI? It is forcing alignment around what the opportunity is as well, to your yeah. point, Kip. So I, I do think that is a, a unique moment in technology. Yeah. Scott Belsky had a really good article recently that talked to this, which is collapsing the talent stack. And like internally and externally, AI kind of does that because AI kind of erodes the barriers you would usually see between roles. Like a really great marketer, coming back to reinforce my point of the three circles, but if you really <laughs> understand the AI apps, the marketer can now build much more of the funnel, right? Because they can actually build automation, custom apps, things like that will actually get the person all the way maybe through to actually buying the software. Like a lot of the traditional sales outreach can be actually automated. That person can maybe even do some of the customization and automation for some of the initial support. And even internally, I think that's a great point, May, is like it's starting to force teams to maybe rethink how we've kind of drawn these silos between different teams. You do your thing, I do my thing, and somehow it all kind of meets up in the middle. And I think AI is a great forcing function to force us to like rethink about how we do that externally and internally and like collapse that talent stack. So like we have singular teams who can really own the entire customer experience. And so we're not kind of shipping our team org. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show, because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. I think you're right in that, Karen. But I think one of the places that I'm seeing the collapsing of orgs and just like the streamlining of work happening the most is in content marketing. And right. we're seeing that on our own team. We're seeing that within our customers. I think anybody watching today's show who knows anything about any of the three of us would be like, what are they going to talk about content? You know, like these three people have spent more time working on content and leveraging content for marketing than most humans out there. So May, I, I want to start with you and basically be like, 
how are you seeing the evolution of content marketing today? Like I am seeing it change in a vast variety of ways from disruption of search to how, how internal teams work to multimedia creation. But you all at right are on the, the precipice of it. Like, what do you see? I think we, we are definitely at the point where the real low-hanging fruit has been absorbed by anybody and everybody. So yes. the ability to, you know, create long tail, top of funnel content for, you know, those areas where you really never want your CEO screen grabbing, you know, the top 10 searches on Google and being like, why the hell are we not here for this term? Right. <laughs> the worst emails to get in the whole world. <laughs> yeah, we're slacks. You know. um, whenever I catch myself about to do that, I'm like, no, bad girl. You know, um, but the the acceptable answer to that is no longer it's on the backlog. Right. Like now it's like we've got something up like we are going to continue to iterate on this. The strategy is moving. I think most teams that are bigger than one right on the SEO side have absorbed this into their content processes. I, I think you know, bottom of the funnel, it's a very, very different story. And underneath that, maybe demand gen, we definitely are seeing demand gen teams, both like the tools that are being built into uh, in ads, et cetera, and also standalone tools. We have an amazing integration with the metadata team. They've built some kick-ass copywriting AI tooling into metadata with the help of writer. So, you know, top of funnel, demand gen, if you're a marketer listening to this, a CML listening, and your teams aren't using AI, both for SEO and demand gen, come talk to one of the three of us so we can help you. Like, we, you got to get on that. I think bottom of the funnel is still pretty unpenetrated and people aren't really sure. I also think those are the marketers who are most nervous because in demand gen world and, and top of funnel world, folks see, you know, a big part of their job being that science or the math part of what it is. And I think bottom of the funnel, there's a lot more identity wrapped up into being a really good writer. And I think that's part of it. It is, you know, A, a lot of the kind of off-the-shelf tools aren't very good at that kind of writing. And so, you know, it's easy for a team to be like, see, I told you it sucks. Like there's, you know, there's no way we're going to get AI to give us leverage here, whether it's, you know, case studies or ROI calculators or whatever, take a B2B context, you know, whatever it is that you're writing for bottom of the funnel. So, you know, it, it, there's a spectrum. And I do think, you know, folks who are using writer across the whole spectrum are really benefiting, but it's still really early days in content marketing, actually. And, you know, there's a lot of marketing beyond top of funnel and demand gen, and we're just starting to see what those use cases are. And one follow-up to that, May, like, I think one of the things Kieran and I talk a lot about that we're very paranoid about is even in that like well understood top of the funnel part of the world, we do see legacy blue link Google search going away, right? Google might still be the dominant search engine, but how those search engine results show up and look are going to be very different. So do you even think that there's a new chapter in the top of the funnel stuff coming? Cause it's like, that's kind of where we're, where we're sitting, what we see. So I see what you guys are saying. I, I don't disagree, but when you, double click into how we get to a world where we are going to the language models first for answers. It's about training data and volume in training data matters a lot. I'll give you an example. When we were selected for the Forbes AI 50 piece, big honor for us, lots of amazing companies on that list. They made, I think they used Midjourney for this. The Forbes team did a video and it was an AI video, right? And it was like Sam Altman and me. And then at the end, I was like riding off in like a, a rocket and people pinged me and they're like, 
you know, did you make that with Forbes? Like writer is all over that video. And I'm like, no, like we just showed up in that engine somehow, right? And I think the quantity and quality, right, is the additional challenge here. And I, so I, I don't think some of our, you know, traditional SEO tactics really go away. The urgency to get it right soon because the advantages compound, I think that has been the added pressure. And I do agree that very few people get how large language model search is going to change the game. But I do think that high volume at high quality is going to separate the winners from the losers in terms of, you know, whose brand is going to be showing up the most. Yeah, I think that's the right kind of framing is that regardless of what happens, the high volume and high quality of content is really still the game. And Kieran, you've made this point for a while now that, hey, we've been trying to influence robots for a while. The robots are just changing, getting more intelligent and everything. But search is, it's an evolution, not a transformation. Do you think that's still true? What's your take here? Yeah, I think if we're thinking through why I kind of made the point of like, I think the winners are going to be people who are truly able to invest in personal brands, because I think we're really skewing towards personalities. People want to connect with people. AI is going to just actually accelerate that. And we can talk a little bit about how brands are able to bring personalities into their actual marketing mix. But I think if you think about the way that large language models work. I think they are a better experience. And I know that they actually, there's a lot of like, how do they get the data? And there's a variety of searches that probably are better through the the blue links than they are through the AI chat. But I think AI chat cannibalizes a lot of that. And the way I think through this is there has never been a greater time to be an original thinker in content marketing than there is during the AI era, right? If you actually categorize content marketers and just marketers in general, in terms of how they create content, I always put them in the three categories and some of them are just not, you know, sound not nice, but I think it's true where you have the lazy content marketer, you have the copy and paste content marketer, and you have the original thinker content marketer. And the the lazy content marketer is like not really getting anywhere. The copy and paste content marketer is like really successful if they can be a front of the pack and they're copying and pasting from other industries and bring it into their industry. And then everyone is copying from the original thinkers. Now, there was a great AI study released on what AI does to the top percentile of workers, people who are truly great in their jobs. Does it impact them? And actually, you use my kind of categorization. It said what it really does is it pulls lots of people into the middle, which is this kind of like copy and paste role, but there doesn't impact the original thinker. And not just that, it gives the building blocks for the original thinker to be actually better. So think about me as a content marketer. I'm an original thinker. Now I have an assistant, a writing assistant that can pull back great research and can format things and can be a thought partner. Now I have a video AI tool that can give me the building blocks to bring my thoughts to life in video. And I couldn't have done that before because video was hard. Now I can bring it to life in like custom imagery, right? So I think original thought really matters. Having incredible points of view and really saying something. I think in technology, we've all got dragged into the middle. We don't want to cause any kind of you know, ill feelings online. So we don't say much, right? And I think to marketers and brands, having strong points of view, strong insights, humor, entertaining, being part of the internet culture are going to be incredibly important for you to be on the winner's podium when AI starts to like roll over all of our industries. Yeah, I agree with that. And seeing is believing and so much of, it's fun, but time consuming, especially in a remote team, like a lot of our marketing teams are, the prototyping. Like, what if we did this? What if we did that? I'm excited for the the imagery models to get better so that, you know, when we are mocking things up or thinking about crazy campaigns, you know, you're kind of doing like a first draft 
very quickly with AI is you share each, with each other the art of the possible. You know what I mean? Right, right. I love the art of the possible as a saying, because it's like part of being that prophet, being that early adopter here is really understanding what is possible. And we're seeing the best marketers get out in front, uh, be curious, learn what's possible, and then go and apply that to come up with those original ideas right. and get them to market in the way that you're thinking about, Karen. Right. And yeah. I, I'm, I personally am like very optimistic about that. Yeah. And that, again, comes back to the first kind of point, which I think there is this new breed of marketer who lives at the intersection of the art, science, and AI apps, and they're able to use AI apps to do that. I've seen it in Zapier. Like I've seen some of our marketers like build incredible things through AI to accelerate their jobs, iterate faster, provide better customer experience. And I think if you think about what we've talked about, I think that's number, point number one. The second point I love what we talked about is like winners really are the new breed of marketer is creator. You can't separate those two things. A marketer is a creator in the AI era and that the marketer has to have like incredible content, like abilities. They have to be original thinkers. They have to use these tools as building blocks to do great work. The third, I would love to just end on because it's like one of the ones that Kip and I have talked about forever, which is the third thing that AI does for, and you're a marketer, this is one of the ways you can definitely win by bringing this into your company is everyone gets an AI concierge in the future and customers' expectations will be much higher, right? I expect to get incredibly personalized email. I expect to have 24-7 support that can answer my questions. I expect to be able to go through your software's onboarding and have it customized to my needs and speak to me. Now, they're not where we are today, but I think that that AI concierge that actually is able to provide you with a highly customized, personalized experience through the entire experience of like using your software from the point when I'm on your website to when I'm on your onboarding to when I'm actually using the software itself is going to become prevalent because of like just how good AI is at this stuff. And I can give some examples, but curious to get your thought May and as a CEO who probably wants every customer to have an incredible experience, how are you thinking about using AI to be able to deliver upon that or telling your marketing team about how to maybe deliver upon that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not afraid to share our secret sauce. You know, being able to ask AI, what testimonials do we have from CIOs and industrials or what have been, you know, business impact results from chief digital officers of retail companies that I am allowed to talk about externally. You know, what are the messaging pillars for somebody who wants to use writer in L&D? I think AI is going to enable faster revenue scaling than any other platform shift ever, including the internet, because of this alignment, this ability to share knowledge, this ability to know what we know as an organization, it's just transformational. And, you know, part of why I started Writer is I want to be able to email from my shower. And that is like a very like EEO. <laughs> it's a very thing. lofty goal right there. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's like really, really boring stuff. But the all the other things uh, that it enables really are extraordinary. You know, I hope that all of the, you know, kind of intellectual labor makes way for a lot more creativity and fun and joy in the workday. And, you know, for me, I'm most in flow when I'm in the creating phase, regardless of the team that I'm speaking with, whether it's CS or sales or product or design or marketing. And I think that goes for a lot of people at a lot of different levels and a lot of different industries. So I'm obviously very bullish. No, and May, like we're seeing a lot of the same things. You know, at HubSpot, I think 
we have spent a lot of time building early AI use cases for our customers, transforming our knowledge base to be an amazing chat experience where our customers can get really complex answers in a very easy, digestible way anytime they want without having to do a bunch of research, digging through a knowledge base or without having to talk to a support person on the phone. Those are transformational to the customer experience. And I think what's hard anytime you talk about the customer experience is it seems big. It seems like, oh gosh, I got to go out and boil the whole ocean. But instead, what I think AI, where it really shines is in very focused use cases. If you literally just look at your customer net promoter score and say like, what are the three things that our customers are most frustrated with? And you go and you deploy AI and self-service bots, concierge against those problems, you will see a massive improvement. We've seen hundreds of percent increases in customer satisfaction here. And I think that's the opportunity is that you can be really impatient, start with very focused use cases and win very quickly. Right. Yeah, I agree with um, if I can add a, a point there, we are still so early that, you know, especially on the knowledge management side of use cases, people still think that you can put a whole bunch of structured and unstructured data in a knowledge graph or in a vector database. And like magically, the LLM is going to be good at like any kind of question or answer. And that's simply not the case. So I love what you're doing, Kip, at HubSpot. We're proud customers and you guys are customers of ours. And I love the thoughtful way that you're building AI into the product. It's just such natural extensions of what people are already doing versus like a real departure or like a real workflow change for the person who's actually doing the work. And it's still very early days of knowing what are the real business impactful use cases for adjoining knowledge bases with knowledge graphs with large language models. And I think you guys are on to something big. Thank yeah. you. All right, Kieran, we're almost, we're almost out of time. You yeah. got to take us home, man. You yeah. got to close us out, give everybody the, the rundown on experience, sum it up for us. Yeah, I think that we agree that we are in an AI hype cycle, but it is much more substance than the Beanie Baby cycle. There's actually transformational <laughs> technology. It's That's a core, pla- yes. it's a core we, platform we shift. We're not wasting our time in, in doing this work. And that if you want to be on the winner's podium, I think there's like three core things. Like, I think there is a shift in how marketing will be done. And I think if you can live at the intersection of the art, the science, and the AI apps, AI apps and be a fast mover, early adopter of these apps, bringing them into how you do marketing, you're going to have a huge advantage over everyone else. The second one is marketers are creators. Marketers are creators in an AI era. You cannot separate those two things. If you're a marketer, you need to get really great at content. I've always believed that writing is foundational to be marketing. If you can't write, you are just like on the back foot. You should be able to write, whether that's internally or externally. But also to be a creator, great points of view, insights, say something worth saying, have a point of view. Don't worry if there's people who do not agree. You want to speak to your tribe, right? Have great data, have all of these things to back up how you create content. Use AI to build great building blocks, video, imagery, text, and then build great original thought on top of that. The third one is what I love what you said, Kip, and what you said, May, is find one thing in your customer journey where AI can help 10x that experience. Like at Zapier, we know that if we can create a personalized automation guide just for you around your tech stack, that's a 10x experience. You could not have done that in the age of yeah. people 
You can do that in the age of AI, yes. and we are doing that across email and on board end, and it's really working. And so find one thing that AI makes 10x. Then you, to May's point, you'll be on the even better winner's podium, right? There'll be all these winners, but you'll be at the top of the winner winner's podium, and you will be a happy person. So we, May, really thank you for coming on Marketing Against the Gray live at Zap Connect and all the great work you're doing within AI and with Ryder. We appreciate all of your thoughts. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. It's awesome. Thanks both.